Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Well, hello. Really? That's all I got? That's the only intro I have is well, hello. That's pretty lame. Pretty lame. Hey, everybody. It's Scott here, and it is Diary of a Cartoonist, or as we like to say, D-O-A-C. No, no, no. D-A-O-C. No, D-O-A-C. There you go. Pull up a chair here. Well... It's been a little while, not too long, but uh, the holidays happened and a trip to Phoenix happened and a semi-medical emergency happened and a new show got launched. Won a bunch of podcast awards yesterday at the uh, New Media Expo thing down there to the Las Vegas, Nevada. We had a bunch of us on hand. I couldn't go for various reasons. I'm sad, though. I would have liked to have gone. We won best, uh, see, best comedy podcast for TMS. We won People's Choice for TMS, which is the big fat fat uh, award, the big end of night one. Uh, best film and TV podcast with uh, Film Sack, and we were nominated two other times that we didn't win in the video game category, but pretty good haul. I I would argue. It's not too bad. And I'm pleased with how all those shows have done over the last year. So it seems like a good year to win those things. And next year I'm planning on going because I won't have any weird trip to take during the holidays next year. Because that was a weird trip. It was good. I mean, you know, got to see family. My brother's family lives down there, him and all his kids. So all my nephews, nieces, and uh, his wife and others were all there for the wedding of my nephew. If you listen to TMS, you heard this story, so you know what I was doing. But I performed his wedding, kind of stealth style. I kind of popped up right as the as everyone started to notice that the officiant wasn't there, and they were starting to panic. And so I popped up, and I yelled the words, Who gives away this woman to marry this man? And then their father yelled, I do. Her mother and I do. And then I ran up front, and I performed a wedding, legal and everything. Because I took a 10-minute survey online, paid 18 bucks, and got a little black card in the mail that said, you can perform weddings. Anyway, nonetheless, and notwithstanding, it was a fun time on that regard, but um, I got some weird old man colon disease while we were <laughs> while we were gone. I mean, actually, the day we left, it started to kick in and really flared up during the trip. 
and I didn't get any sort of treatment or diagnosis for it till we got home, which was Christmas or sorry, New Year's Eve. And uh, I did a CT scan. They thought it was going to be kidney stones. It was not kidney stones. It turned out to be diverticulitis, which is a condition, very common condition, especially in the Western world, probably our diet where you get a very, very painful inflammation of the colon. Now, here's what I wanted to say about that. All this, all this has been public knowledge. I've talked about this before, and I'm dealing with it. I got the antibiotics. They've got a treatment plan. It's all good, and everything should be fine in a couple of weeks. But uh, forget about all the discomfort. Forget about all the, you know, the sleepless nights. Forget about all this. I'd like to talk about one aspect of this, which is my pride. generally healthy guy. I don't really have any big problems. My eyes were weird, but you know, whatever surgery was easy on those. And in a way the, the, the eyes thing was kind of better than this, but also still kind of part of the problem I'm I'm about to to, to describe if I could talk at all, if I could enunciate my words, that'd be fantastic. It occurs to me or seems to me that when you tell somebody you have, uh, diverticulitis or, you know, let's pick another one, Crohn's disease or freaking some other embarrassing thing. Like even if it's a cancer, if you walk to someone and say, yeah, I got the, I got bicep cancer, man. It's uh, it's pretty rough, but uh, I'm going to go in there. I'm going to kick this thing. I'm going to beat it. Yeah, my doctor feels good. You know, this sounds manly in a weird way, like a manly uh, thing to deal with. But if you go in and say, somebody says what's matter with you, and you go, well, I, I have testicular cancer. There's something about the fact that it's such a such an embarrassing location, I guess, for, for a cancer. Or in my case, such an embarrassing location for a inflammation slash whatever infection to happen. It's just embarrassing. You don't want to talk about it. Like you just feel like a, you feel like a, like a, I don't know, like a flaky old man in an old folks home forgot to take his pills at noon, you know, and even the cataract thing. I mean, it was no big deal, but telling people about it, like, yeah, I had cataracts. What? I thought only 85 year old men got those. Aren't you too young for that? Well, yeah, kind of, but genetically this and that. And you try to tell them, oh yeah, some babies are born with them and they have to have surgery there at the, at the hospital before they can go home. It doesn't matter. The impression is there. Which gets me to the larger sociological sort of bent of all this. Which we, which is this. We as human beings are too quick, I think, to make judgment calls based on predispositions that are kind of archaic. It's like, I mean, a grown adult man should never make fun of somebody in a wheelchair. But when you're a kid, you do. Why? Why do we do that? Why do you see a guy in a wheelchair or somebody with a handicap or something go, yeah, that guy's retarded or something? Well, you'd never do that now. In fact, you'd probably ask if you could help, hold a door, help push, ask if you can do anything. You know, you try to do these things now. But when you're younger, you're just kind of an a-hole about it. If somebody's a different color or somebody talks differently or somebody has weird hair or somebody drives a car that's not as cool as yours, you're driving a Mustang, your buddy's got a pacer, you make fun of the guy with the pacer. What is it in us that does that? And I haven't been, I mean, don't get me wrong, no one's making fun of me. I'm, I'm my worst critic. I feel 
stupid about this thing just because it's annoying and it hurts and I feel like it's an old man disease. <laughs> Despite the fact that it's entirely treatable and I can never have another flare-up again if I play my cards right and eat right and stuff. But, you know, and I, and I am taking it in stride. I'm saying, well, okay, here's, here's, my, here's my prompting to stop eating like a 15-year-old, which I sometimes do. But what is it, though, in children all the way through adults that drives them to do this? Like, what is it that, that possesses somebody to attack somebody else verbally, physically, or otherwise because there's something different going on there? And I don't know why this has inspired this thinking in my head. And I know these are age-old problems and it's probably just stupid to even bring them up because, yeah, we've been dealing with them for thousands of years and we still haven't figured out how to deal with them. But what a cool world we'd live in if people would just knock that off. I mean, I try not to be critical of everybody and everything around me. But there are times, you know, I don't know, like, you know, I always try to, <clears throat> I've talked about this before, but I always try to be the guy at the restaurant. That if the if the waiter brings me crap or it's not working out or he gave me bad service or something, I still tend to tip and I still tend to be really nice to the guy. Well, why? Because I really don't know what battle he's fighting right now. And it could just simply be he's just a jerk and he's a pathological jerk and this is just the way he is. But it's probably not the case. Way more likely scenario is things are complicated and not that cut and dry. So I feel like I've talked about this before and so I won't go too deep into that side of it. But I've always tried to, my dad, I feel like was good at teaching me that that was an important aspect of the way I would behave toward other people. It's not to make assumptions and to, the only assumption to make is that they're, there is no easy answer. And if you go into a situa- situation like that and, and somebody's behaving in an erratic or strange or angry or whatever way, that there may be other forces at play here that are affecting their interaction with me. And I think that serves me and has served me pretty well in the, in the past. But there are times, you know, driving a car, some jerk cuts you off. He's not paying attention. He's on his phone. The natural inclination is to just rail that dude up and down in your car. I mean, you're not really doing much good by yelling in your own car. And anytime those altercations turn into me pulling up next to somebody, getting out of the car and knocking on their window and asking them what the hell they were thinking, I don't think any of that leads to anything good, right? I mean, nobody nobody wins that fight. I mean, you may win... If I'm bigger and he's a little shrimpy dude and I punch him and he's terrified and never fights back, well, then I guess I won a a very small battle in a much larger, more complicated, more philosophical war. I'm not sure I've won that war. I may have won that battle. Not to get too poetic about it. But anyway, the point, or the reason I bring all that up, the reason I'm bringing up any of this stuff is I feel like I'm in a weakened position because I've got a thing that's embarrassing. So if I, if, if I, if I had said to the world, I've got a knee blown out. I've blown out a knee. Ah, it's, my, it's my old uh, basketball injury from, uh, from high school. It's acting up again. I'm going to have to get that uh, surgery done. And uh, yeah, wish me luck, everybody. Like there's something manly about that injury. Breaking a collarbone, smacking your head against a baseball bat, you know, whatever. These are far more palatable, manly, 
pursuits when it comes to injury. And I don't think it should be that way. And I'm clearly part of the problem because I'm, I'm perceiving it that way. There are probably people who are like, what are you talking about? You know? But my perception is part of the same. It's a symptom of the same disease. <laughs> and it makes me feel like some kind of goober. So I'm, I'm, so I'm kind of less willing to talk about it as openly. Like I kind of, people want to know. And when you're on, when you do what I do for a living and the way I have to interface with fans and stuff, I try to make how I'm doing as clear as I can, or, you know, just create those, those bonds of communication, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit and dwell on it and talk about it a ton. Why? Because it may be therapeutic for me, but it's not, I just feel like a whiny old, yeah, my, I got the diverticulitis. I can't eat any seeds for a while, man. <laughs> we don't cry for me, Argentina. Or will you cry for? Well, how's it go? The Madonna movie I never saw. I don't know how it went. Is that any good? Remember that when she was popping out movies. Remember that, and they were never. Well, I mean, I shouldn't say. I, I haven't seen most of them. I remember seeing. It was the one with, um, oh, geez, the early one where she was full-on Madonna, like the early days Madonna, like a virgin Madonna. That was called something girl. Material girl? No. Ah, whatever it was. And she was like the girlfriend, mysterious girlfriend that everybody wanted. And the other girl was trying to be like her. And that's all I remember. Lots of leggings or leggings what are they called like the the flash dance leg things (laughs) i can't remember any of that stuff what's that called all right some of you are yelling at your listening device right now because i can't remember what the hell this is huh yeah i don't know doesn't matter point is (laughs) Point is back to the point. Let's get back to the point, everybody. We're not here to talk about Madonna or her misgiving, her her, her bad film career. Okay. Actually, if you if you well, never mind. She has some moments. Like remember the um, I gotta get this out of my head. Uh, the, in, in a league of their own, the about the girl the baseball team had the Tom Hanks in there. He was all drunk all the time. I remember John Lovitz was a scouting agent. I love him. So pretty much watch a movie that. That he's in just on the face of it. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem admitting it. I'm not too big to admit it. That was good. That was a good Madonna role. I mean, she still kind of played the like hookery lady. But she was terrible in four rooms. She was bad in that one I can't remember. And that Argentina deal, I don't know. Let's see what IMDb says. I suppose I could find all these roles now. Madonna... Okay, she is known for Evita. We talked about that one. Oh, Desperately Seeking Susan was the other one, the 85 movie. Desperately Seeking Susan. I remember her being annoying in Dick Tracy. Um, let's see, let's look at actress here. The last thing she did where she appeared as herself and not a voice was uh, Will and Grace, the TV show. 
Which, okay, here's another interesting thing. Will and Grace. Let's talk about that for a second. Remember that show was supposed to be groundbreaking in terms of, ah, look at us. We're, we're so uh, um, progressive and look how we're treating the whole question of uh, the gay lifestyle and how everybody's uh, doing within that, uh, that little bubble we got going on this show. And, and uh, yeah, really pushing it forward and changing the way TV works and pioneers, really. Have you gone back and watched any of that lately? Because it is the most stereotypic, over-the-top, gay stereotype bonanza you've ever seen. And it would not fly today. People would be offended by it. People would be shooing that thing off a of TV. Both, both, uh, both people in the pro and con column, in terms of the lifestyle and its acceptance in mainstream culture, they would both be decrying this thing, probably more loudly on the gay side, because it is not... Um, I mean, it is just this flamboyant, like, over-the-top thing. I can't imagine that show working today. And it's only been, I mean, look, 03 was when Madonna was on. I think that show went even longer than that. It wasn't that long ago in the overall scheme of things, a decade ago. Can a decade make that big of a difference? I guess it can. But, geez, it's it's rough. I watched an episode while we were in uh, Phoenix on a hotel TV, and I was like, "Is that is that what this was? Because I don't remember it being this bad, this over the top, man. Like, I remember it being like, oh, no, no, let's explore these issues. And that's, and I guess it still does that. But, and some would say, well, you got to start somewhere. And so you start in this place that, that homophobes can laugh at and gay people can get excited about the fact that, you know, that here's a mainstream TV show that isn't shunning you. I guess that's a starting point. My problem, you know what my problem is with all this stuff? The reason I've always struggled with like, let's get it on TV. Let's have more of it on TV or the the opposite, which is the, get them off TV. Why do we have to, I don't want gay people on my TV. You know, like either of those perspectives, I guess I still struggle with both because I don't, I never really cared. <laughs> what I mean is I don't, it's great. Have a show, have some gay people in it. Why is that a big deal? Why are we making a huge deal out of it on either side? Why is that a big deal? We have to get to that point, guys, where we don't care anymore. We have to. As a society, I mean. I'm already cool with whatever, man. Want to get married? Go for it. I don't care. Want to not get married? Fine. I mean, I learned in Phoenix that it sure doesn't take much to do a wedding. For as much as uh, some people would jump on the, the, the holy uh, sanctimonious thing of marriage like a hot grenade and hold tight for dear life, it sure is easy to whip one out. Like, I, I seriously, I didn't even have to hardly show those credentials. In fact, I'm not even sure I did. When I, signed, when I did the signing, I don't think anyone asked me to prove anything. I could have been anybody, and I could have signed that thing. I don't know how that makes... I don't, well, whatever. You know, on the other side, I know everybody wants... Well, I mean, I, that's my point. I don't feel like, I never felt like there was in, inequality in my own head. So I seem passive on the issue, but I, I'm not passive. I just don't understand what the fuss is about. Nobody cares what I'm doing. Why should I care what they're doing? You know what I mean? Anyway. I talk about this on TMS all the time. You guys are probably sick of it. If you listen to that show and if you don't, you should be because it's a one people's choice award. At the 2013 Podcast Awards. We've been through that. All right. She was in Die Another Day. 
uh, Girl Six, where she played boss number three <laughs> in 96. In 95, she was in four rooms. I'm trying to find another significant one here, and I don't see one. Lots of concert videos. Oh, Shanghai Surprise. Remember that thing right there? Who's that girl? She was in Vision Quest. She was a she was a singer at a club in Vision Quest. Her first film of all time was A Certain Sacrifice in 1985 as Bruna. She was busy that year. She did Desperately Seeking Susan, Vision Quest, and A Certain Sacrifice all in one year. Anyway. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, there's some other stuff. I don't, why was it, who cares about that? Why was I bringing her up? I don't remember what sent me on this path. It doesn't matter. That's the kind of mood I'm in. So they've got me on like 300 milligrams of like various antibiotics. I have to take another one here in a minute. And I got to take them in the morning, midday, and night. And I have to do it for 10 days. And I believe I can smell penicillin on me. Like I think I'm, I'm not sweating it out. I'm, it's just coming out of me. Like there's a small, there's a cloud around me that just, it smells like big pharma. Be a cool rap name, wouldn't it? Big pharma. Yo, 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 big pharma. Drop the bass. So that's what's going on in my, in my life. It kind of ruined the holidays, to be honest, because Christmas was fine. It was Christmas Day. I decided I was going to have a whole new diet and I'd been losing weight anyway, but I was going to start like hardcore healthy eating. And I decided that the day after Christmas Eve, which Christmas Eve was a total nightmare with what I ate. I was a pig and I ate tons of crap I shouldn't have eaten and everything else. And this is, uh, mind you, I'm about 220 pounds, 218 pounds, somewhere between there is where I was fluctuating on Christmas Eve. Christmas Day comes. I eat really well that day. I'm really good that day. Go to bed next morning. I get that horrible pain in my gut, and that's when that whole thing started. Now we're however many days into that. What are we about ten or twelve or something days since then? And uh, what was where was I going with that? I'm not eating it. I'm on a kind of a half liquid diet right now, so I'm a little bit out of my brain. Doesn't exactly hold on to things as long as it normally does. Sounds like another old man problem, but whatever. I'm not eating my normal solid foods at the moment. Um. Anyway, oh, so my point was that just kind of ruined the holiday. Just made me feel terrible. We had to fly out that day. We did. That was miserable. Got there. Miserable the whole time, pretty much. Get home. Still miserable. Get the diagnosis. Get the stuff. Still miserable. The I didn't start kind of feeling better until yesterday. And I'm still, it feels like a bit of a road ahead of me. But a little bit better than, than the few days previous. So the stuff, whatever this, you know, these antibiotics are working. Uh... But I still don't like how this year started. It sucks. I was so excited, so excited about Current Geek, which was great. Went off with that hitch. Very happy with it. Awesome guests. Tom and I had a ball. We're stoked about that show moving into the year. No problem with Current Geek at the moment. Very happy with it. But I wanted to launch that at my, at my best, you know? And no one knows. No one can tell the difference between my best and when I feel like crap because I work really hard to cover that up. <laughs> But I do, I do wish that I could have done that under different circumstances. And going to Vegas would have been nice, but I couldn't go because of all these other things that were going on, especially that launch. And then, you know, not feeling well, I wouldn't have been good there anyway. I just kind of want to do over, man. I just want to mulligan. Because otherwise, things are going great. We got the studios nearly complete. 
There's a little bit of this and that to to do still, but it's not really too terrible. Um, yeah, I, just, I don't, you know, things are good. Kids are healthy. Kim's doing good. Network's doing good. Everybody's doing good. I have a client that won't pay me though. That's frustrating. That's a whole nother story. They're behind, they're way behind. And it's frustrating because I I I turn down paying work to get their work done sometimes. That's a long story. And I really like them as people. They're old friends and I like I like helping them out. But um I'm getting to a point I gotta make a decision. I don't know what I'm gonna do. That's frustrating, but other than that. Things are going okay. So I guess that's it. I just wanted to catch you guys up on what's going on. If you have any questions for me, I'm happy to answer them. Oh, I actually have one to answer. I meant to do this. Sorry. Let me do this real quick. This was going to be one of my goals. Here's one. Uh, here's one right here from Oliver from Birmingham, England. Birmingham or Birmingham. I don't know which way you would prefer to say it. Says Mr. Johnson, loving the return of Diary of a Cartoonist. Your last episode asked people to send in topics. If you haven't already bombarded yourself with these emails, I was thinking it would be cool to hear what you did pre-Frog Pants and what you studied in college. Just an idea. Thanks. Keep up the good work, Oliver. All right, Oliver. Uh, Before Frog Pants, I was a full-time graphic designer. I designed packaging, product, concept, art, um, did a bunch of layout. Oh, all the computer-aided stuff, um, just a bunch of kind of odds and ends that were all sort of related to design. I did that for a company for a number of years, and before that, similar work for another company for a number of years. But that that's that was pretty much what I did job-wise out of college, just kind of went from place to place and did similar stuff and then kind of grew with the tech and advanced on to other things or whatever. But I was the last place I was with, I was with for a long time, probably a good 10 years, 12 maybe. Is that right? Yeah, 10 or 12 years. Oh, and the doorbell's ringing. But I'm too far down here to care, so I'm not going up there. Anyway, in college, I studied graphic design, illustration, and commercial art. And, uh, you know, all the, I took core classes and stuff too, but I, any chance I got, I was taking classes that were, you know, like life drawing or or whatever. And I, I learned a lot of layout stuff and Photoshop stuff and things like that. Whenever there were classes for things like that, I would take those, but the focus was on commercial art and you know so which included a lot of stuff like advertising and packaging design and things that I ended up doing but I always just wanted to draw be a cartoonist really so the internet has finally given me a way to do that without having to compete too much with the old way of getting popular with your work like that so that's been really nice um but yeah it's hard to say I mean the the Hard to say what led to what's happening now for me, but I think all of them, like just life experience helps help me work toward the uh, the frog pants thing and it's working out great. So I really wouldn't change anything, but that is the answer to your question. If you have one, send them to frog pants, or sorry, send them to, uh, send them to scott at frogpants.com, scott at frogpants.com. And I will answer them here on the show an upcoming episode or some such like that. Okay, that's it. I'm going to go see what UPS just left me on the doorstep. It's like Christmas every day.
I hear the dog. Oh, it's you. You're not the dog. Hi. My wife just walked in. How's it going? You're not on camera. It's just a diary episode. Oh. Say, say something. How's it going, everybody? They can't answer you, though. So just to end it, I was about to end it, but um, we just got a new car today. Right? A new used car car today because Kim had to turn her lease in. She had a Hyundai Sonata for three three years. Mm -hmm. And now we're back to Honda. The better H of the H cars. (laughs) Are you happy with it? I am. Can I come out and see it? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm going to sew it up then. Everybody have a fantastic uh, time until I talk to you again. Again, that email address is frogpants at Gmail. No, it's not. Scott at frogpants.com. Sorry. Scott at frogpants.com. And feel free to ask any old question you like. That's it. We'll see you guys later.